Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Holtcast. Cole Petham here as always. And of course, we're here to talk all things Aston Villa Football Club with a 3-0 away loss at Anfield. I mean, it's kind of what we expect when we travel to Anfield for the mighty Villa. Things definitely didn't go our way from minute one, but nonetheless, we're going to go through that in as much detail as possible for the next 20 or 30 minutes. Well, I always say 20 or 30 minutes. Let's see how long we go. Usually it's over that, and that's my fault, but regardless of that, Seb's on vacation. Danny's uh, off on a, an extravagant adventure, I'm sure. Uh, Simon's out on the piss somewhere, too, I'm sure. And Tom is busy with his uh, 18,000 jobs that he has. So we drafted in Mr. Dom Phillips. So Dom, it's been a while since you've been on. We were chatting before, I think, since the Project Restart days in 2020. So how are you doing? I'm amazing. Uh, really glad to be back on. Um, so thanks for that a lot. And and yeah, Project Restart, how, how things have changed on every level, obviously. It's crazy, isn't it? Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a pleasure to be back on. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Well, um, we're glad to have you on. And uh, yeah, it's definitely been a, a whirlwind of difference uh, between the uh, Basta Borgian days and now having the likes of uh, <laughs> Nicolo uh, Zaniolo on the bench, uh, Musa Diaby, for example. We could go on and on. Um, the team has definitely gotten much better since those days. And thankfully, uh, knock on wood, we don't have to worry about uh, relegation scraps ever, or at least for another 10 to 15 years. I would like a, a lo- nice long break from any of that reality. But nonetheless, Dom, let's drive right into the game, of course. Um, really, from minute three, I guess I could say, from Villa's perspective, it just it was one of those games, wasn't it, where it just never went our way. We didn't really look too settled. And unfortunately, I mean, from my opinion, it just looked like we could never really insert ourselves into the game. But what did you make of it in particular? Yeah, I agree with a lot of what you just said there in terms of us not being able to sort of take an imprint on the game and control games. Um, it's something where even in the good phases against Newcastle and Liverpool where we've put good moves together, we've never looked comfortable at keeping the ball and being patient in a way that we have in those other games against Everton and Hibernian, who are obviously, and Burnley as well, obviously not opposition that's not quite on the same level, no disrespect to them. But yeah, I mean, again, I do think it's a difficult case with those games as well in terms of what happens if there isn't that freak early goal and the early injury to a key player at the back? How do those games pan out differently? Potentially, we'll never know. But I was hoping for a different reaction from Villa um, after what happened in the Newcastle game. Um, unfortunately, we didn't get it. But, I mean, what a strike from Sobberslide, wasn't it, to be fair? You can't really take that away from me. Yeah, I think that one's a tricky one for me. I I, I think for most people, it's going to be the breakdown before, just falling asleep at the back and giving away a really oh, yeah. cheap corner. I think that's going to be the biggest frustrating point. And I mean, I have no gripes in terms of the strike. That's going to go in, and I don't think anyone has complaints to that. I think it's just how essentially it was dealt with before. But really, it's just, it was, I don't want to say typical Villa, um, but it gave me very reminiscent vibes of like 2020, 2021 Villa 
where we'd start so, so slow. It looked like we just needed a good 15, 20, 25 minutes to get into it. There wasn't a lot of urgency in the press. It looked like we were just kind of locked in position, waiting to see what Liverpool did. To be fair, really, as well, though, I guess Liverpool were very sloppy on the ball, too, and we didn't really take advantage of that early on. I think what Luis Diaz gave it away cheaply a couple times, um, and then we just gave it cheaply back. And I think that was really the sign of the game. It kind of felt like we were so content on going for the counter, but when the opportunity came, either Villa weren't clinical enough or there wasn't enough urgency really on the counter to make anything happen. But, I mean, even to step away from the game for a moment uh, there, Dom, I mean, when you look at two wins and two losses in the opening four, now an international break, do you do you think that's probably about right? I think that's probably the best way to even start this podcast and maybe a longer discussion because... I was just about to put a tweet out on the 7,500 account right now about that. And given Villa's performances against sides you would consider us beating and more tougher opposition, it's probably almost a good reflection of how injuries have gone, how the mentality has been shaped around certain games, and how we've set up as well. But what have you kind of made of the opening four games as a, a lump sum? Well, I think it's very easy now to look back with hindsight. But I think, as you say, if you come at it from the vantage point of after this game, two wins against Everton and Burnley in the league, destroying um, Hibs in the conference playoff, and then obviously tough away defeats to Newcastle and Liverpool. I don't think that's... I think if you would offered that before the season, there are a number of fans who would have taken it. Yeah, I know that many fans would have wanted a, a point out of Newcastle and Liverpool, or maybe even a good win, but those are arguably two of, two of the most difficult games of the season, Newcastle away and Liverpool away, without doubt. They're different teams on the road compared to how they are at home. Obviously, you've got your Man City away, United away, Old Trafford has some kind of level to it. But I think those are, and maybe Arsenal as well, but those are the only sort of games, really, Newcastle and, and Liverpool, especially those two cauldrons, you might call it, of atmosphere and the players, uh, the fans getting behind the players. We saw that a lot in the first game against Newcastle. And so, again, I think if you look at those first four games from that basis, you would say, well, the points out for it hasn't actually been the problem per se. And then there are some fans that might look at problems and say, well, the transfer window wasn't good enough. I'm sure we'll get onto that. It's not something I personally really agree with. Um, in terms of the actual games themselves, we've played really well against Everton and really well against Burnley. We've had decent moments against Newcastle and Liverpool and struggle. But the international break comes at a good point now for me, where I think we can sort of review a lot of this stuff, um, think about how are we going to deploy our defensive line differently, how are we going to get everyone, gel those relationships a little bit, stuff like that. And sort of look at the team selection as well, because we've had the same team pretty consistently in, in most games, especially since Newcastle with constantly moving out to right back and us playing the back three. So I wonder after the international break, will players like Yuri Tielemans, Nicolo Zaniolo, now that he's sort of been blooded in a little bit more, will he get more minutes, stuff like that? I'm not sure. So And obviously Alex Moreno and Jacob Ramsey coming back hopefully as well. So I think it's going to be a bit of a, a, a more well-rounded Villa team that can attack down the left and control the games in different ways and attack in different ways that should be presenting itself um, after the international break. There's still some concerns, but overall, I mean, I don't think it's particularly like a, a bad state of affairs. So to see some panic on social media from fans is really, really overblown for me. 
Yeah, I mean, a lot of it that I've seen is is kind of, I mean, we can make excuses for the injuries. I don't think we have counted for that. And of mm-hmm. course, now there's the concern uh, with Diego Carlos. I think the only positive, just briefly with that, is the fact that he walked off on his own accord and then he went back to the bench later on. He was still hobbling, but I mean, maybe maybe that international break comes at the right time. But the one thing I didn't notice as a theme on social media, and of course, and I'm saying this very sarcastically, so no one go at me and have throw abuse. But I mean, of course, Villa fans and people, football fans on Twitter, we never have a, a crazy outgoing reaction and have no thought behind it. We're all very thought provoking, well thought out people, of course, uh, not. But in regards to that, I, I see a lot of people kind of having the discussion around I don't know, the kind of gaps in quality. And now how, of course, drawing at Liverpool away last season, uh, beating Newcastle at home under Unai Emery last season as well, doing that kind of reverse this season, and it doesn't go nearly to plan. Do you think there's that still that gap in quality that we're still missing? Or do you think it's more so we're dealing with injuries, there's kind of a mentality shift around how we're handling things? And... um essentially we're just kind of coping with that until we get a few players back. But what do you make of all that? Cause I think it's an interesting discussion and one that needs to be had. Absolutely. I think you've hit the nail on the head there in terms of talking about our injuries and the problems we, I don't, and for me that feeds into the answer, which is ultimately, I think it's too early to tell. Um, there are definitely moments where we could have used that killer instinct, but a lot of, a lot of players are sort of not going to score every game. At, at the end of the day, you know, people talk about Ollie Watkins and one Premier League goal in one in eleven Premier League appearances. You know, even and I think Ollie Watkins would be happy to admit that that's not the return that he wants to be getting, and he's definitely going through a rough patch at the moment. But he had a very good spell under Emery as well. So, with questions like that, in terms of the gap between us and either the the top six or the top six plus Newcastle or the top four of the league in terms of where we want to be looking, um, I think it's too early to tell. I do think that there might still be a little bit of a gap based on instinct, but ultimately I think it's too early to tell. I think players like Diaby definitely raise that ceiling. I think players like Zaniolo, it, that's one where it's too early to tell for me the risk with the injuries and stuff like that. We won't really know for a while yet whether he's going to be someone that's that ceiling raiser. Um, so we don't know. We don't know what the kind of player that Jacob Ramsey might turn into. Um, we've got very good young players out there with buyback clauses who I'm not saying will come back and be Champions League players anytime soon, but are players that can come in and provide a little bit of energy in future if they might do that. So, ultimately, I think it's too early to tell, and we're going to have some players coming back. I mean, the attacking dynamic between Jacob Ramsey and Alex Moreno is how we scored most of our goals towards the end of last season, I'd say. Um, so, And also, they're linked up with Watkins as well. So, when we have that going, and we have Diaby and McGinn on the other side, or Diaby and Bailey, or whatever it might be, I'm looking at a Villa team that is going to be more rounded and varied in attack. And that's going to help us take our chances, which is going to help us look like a better team. There are other issues as well, of course. We'll talk about those, I'm sure. But I think it, I think it's too early to tell for, for fans to be saying, oh, you know, this was the chance to break into the top four. We haven't taken it in the transfer window. It's too early. And if there are opportunities to come either in January or next summer to find those ceiling raising players, I think works already behind the scenes on going to do that. So even if we aren't at that level yet, there's no reason to panic. But ultimately, I think it's too early to tell anyway. Yeah, I mean, we could play um, against Liverpool and, of course, Newcastle at home and then beat both of them or get at least nearly maximum points. 
we flipped that on the head near the end of the season. And we're thinking, oh, that's a great result, a good split of points. So it is too early. I do think the international break is coming at a perfect time considering injuries. Great. You all, you are right in regards to Ramsey and Moreno. It was good to see. I think Moreno was in the uh, one of the videos when they were walking in, if I'm not mistaken, that I saw Villa put out. So great to see there. I, I think, I mean, that's vital. Ramsey being missing has probably been one of the biggest gripes for me because what he can offer, especially cutting in from the left. But to get back to the game in particular, Dom, I mean, when we look at Villa from an attacking perspective today, we have to be fair and say they had their opportunities. I mean, they are far and few. Some were, um, could have been probably built into something a little bit more positive, I think of. I think it was Diaby uh, deciding not to play in, I think it was Watkins that would have put him through. Um, I mean, of course, Duran just being Duran and having shots from anywhere just gives a little bit of MLS vibes. But regardless of that, um, there was the opportunities there. I know people kind of go on about cutting edge and being clinical and all that kind of stuff. But all in all, Villa aren't going to be successful and clinical enough until, in my opinion, the midfield kind of gets a little bit more into it a little more quickly. And what I meant by that is, I looked at the likes of Douglas Louise and Bubakar Kamara, and I felt like it was kind of the reflection of the Newcastle game when I sit back and look at it. It felt like one didn't know what the other was doing in terms of, okay, I'm going to stay, you go press, you move the ball, I'll hold it down. Mm-hmm. I felt like there was a little bit of confusion there. They have a lot more time when we're playing a Burnley or an Everton or whoever else. Maybe you'd say the bottom 10, 12, whatever. When we're going into games like this, I almost feel like, I don't want to say we're missing that next tier of player, but it almost seems like there's that lack of kind of cover or understanding between the two at time because they don't have that time to really think on the ball. I always felt like Dougie Louise was moving it frantically. I felt like Kamara has got lost in those kind of two big games we've had so far. But what have you made of those two in particular today? Because, I mean, for me personally, I thought Louise was probably our best player, the one actively looking to move it up. That's how I at least saw it. It looked like in the last... 30 minutes when no one really seemed urgent to move it. He was at least the one showing some of that urgency. But what do you make of it? Um, first of all, on the on the best player, Karen, I'll, I'll get on that quickly. I'll, I would say our best players today were Ezri Konsa, who put in a number of very good blocks, a lot of high line defending. Um, his distribution for the bat maybe wasn't as good as it has been, but that's against a very high energy Liverpool press. So I think Ezri Konsa deserves a lot of shouts. Obviously, Emi Martinez was our best player, though. Um, for me, with the number of saves that he made. I think Musa Diaby as well, you know, going on to that attacking line. I think everything good that we did obviously comes from Louise through deep, but it's often Louise playing it to Diaby. Um, I think a lot of the things that we do going forward in terms of the cutting edge and the clinicality, all of the moves that we have, the the dribbling of people, the balls in behind, they're coming from Diaby. Most of them, as you say, there's a chance where he might be able to pass it to Watkins instead. But most, if not all of them, are, are the right decisions. He's doing good things. He's either like running like and drawing people away even when he's not on the ball. So I think I think Diaby's brilliant. I think he's really going to help us get some more goals, especially when, you know, at the far post, you've got Moreno or Ramsey. Ramsey hanging back, Moreno running in as well. So I think Diaby is someone that's going to definitely raise the ceiling. In terms of the midfielders, I think you've made, made a really good connection in terms of the Newcastle-Liverpool games, where Kamara and Louise, against, especially at home, and I'd say a similar to an extent, I think Bailey suffers from the same thing to an extent. Um in terms of being being at home and having more time and more space against lesser teams. Luca Dean as well, um, where he has all the time in the world to put those crosses in. I know they're great crosses, but he, he's had a lot of time against Hibernian to put those crosses in. 
a bit a lot of time on the ball and they're able to produce the goods, a slower game, a controlled game. But in those games where it's a little bit more frenetic, it's more back and forth, you don't get as much time on the ball. You've got a big physical player like Soboslai, who was fantastic today, just pressing at you. Um, I think those midfielders and outside on the wide, those fullbacks as well, um, struggle with that, with that intensity. So I don't know whether that's something that I think you and I is going to work on, I'd assume, um, on, on some capacity, whether that's individual coaching or collectively speaking. But I think there is definitely cause for you, as you say, that Kamara has a, has got lost before in these kinds of games. And Louise, sometimes his passing isn't as crisp as it normally is. Decision-making isn't quite right at times as well. So these are def- I, I agree with you. And these are questions for him to ponder. He's going to have to sit down with these players. They're going to have to sit down with each other. And also, as I say, I think Yuri Tiedemans is going to be watching today's game thinking, I'm going to be starting on the 16th. I, I'm going to be starting. Well, actually, maybe there's a good talking point that I wasn't even planning on discussion. Why don't you think Tillemans is getting the minutes in the league as of yet? Because I felt like a game like today where he'd be able to kind of sit back and maybe control that, maybe give someone like a Kamara or a Louise a little bit of a break, bring them on a little bit later. I felt like maybe that would have offered something a little bit different in the midfield and also maybe thrown Liverpool off their game a little bit because I think... The one thing, of course, and this happens when you have a successful team or teams that are up near the top, they have a pretty set lineup, unless you're near the bottom and you just don't have the bodies, then fair enough. But I feel like he probably warrants a little bit more game time, but what do you make of it? I think it's just Kamara and Louise is the established partnership from last season, and there are also arguments to just sort of keep it the same in the sense of Louise being our best player last season for a large portion of it, um, for me, consistently. And, you know, just becoming almost almost a world-class midfielder for me now um, in terms of how rounded he is and how technical he is and how important is that Villa team as well. Whereas Kamara is a little bit more defensive, is a little better. Like, his, his defensive IQ and intelligence in particular, I think, is, is unbelievable. You know, he's always smart with the runs he should be making, with how he should be positioning his body and his tackling and his awareness and his anticipation. And stuff like that is, is, is second to none. And... You know, ultimately, Yuri Tielemans is not a defensive midfielder. I don't think there's any, any. you know, you can't get away from that. He's not a defensive midfielder. So how how do you get the balance right? Because, you know, a lot of people would say, well, Douglas Dewey's when he used to play on his own as a number six role, as you, as you might understand it, didn't have his best performances. So can the midfield of Louise and Tielemans work? Can you afford to leave out Kamara? But can you afford to leave out Louise? There's a lot of questions there. It's, it's a massive selection headache for Emery, to be honest. But I think off of, off the back of a game like today, you know, Tiedemans has that experience. Um, he's a good leader in the midfield as well. I think he's very vocal. Um, so I think in a game like today, especially, I think Emery might have regretted not playing him. And I think that after the international break in particular, now that Tiedemans has been here longer and Emery's had more games to sort of think about how he might want to construct his team for the rest of the season, Tiedemans has a better chance of coming back into it more consistently. And I also think it's instead of just being one set pair every week. I think it's going to start to change more and more, especially as Conference League fixtures change up as well. Yeah, 100%. I'm just looking at a few um, Twitter posts that came out from uh, the Athletics' Jacob Hanswell uh, in regards to Unai Emery's comments here. And I think they're um, quite relevant to what we're actually discussing. And it's probably more so pertaining to the last 25 minutes uh, where he just says, Una Emery says his changes in the last 25 minutes were so he could learn uh, more from future games. And this is to quote Unai saying, I was trying to practice the last 25 minutes with Zaniolo and Tillemans. The frustration today is a little less than Newcastle because we finished that match 5-1. 
uh, and not consistent in our game plan. But today, after the third, wow, that really jumped between quotes. But anyways, <laughs> but today after the third goal, I accepted to lose, but never accepted the last minutes not being focused in the game. And I think that kind of ties in mm. with the Tillemans and even throwing in Zaniolo. I, I think it's interesting that he's approaching it at that point to see what we have exactly. Because, I mean, how many times have we looked at Villa in the past and it's been toys thrown out the pram, game's over, who really cares? It seems like he's still tinkering, and albeit it's a negative result, we're wondering why maybe certain players, and we're discussing, of course, didn't feature more or play more of an impactful role. It's at least good to know that we're still trying things. We're working on things even when we're in a losing position. We're trying to move forward in a positive manner. Do you think when it when you look at it that way and something like that comes out, Dom, does it give you a little bit more sense of positivity even from a 3-0 loss? Because I know it does for me because it at least shows that there's clear progression where if you look at, I, I mean, I guess I'll have to put a dollar in the, the jar for saying his name. You look at Gerard. <laughs> It, I mean, this would have been probably like 5-0 or something like that, and the whole accountability quote would have came out. That kind of that change in mentality, I, I think that's the thing that, albeit there's been some crazy things said on social media post game. I think that's the glue that's kind of holding us all together, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's not even a question of positivity or negativity coming out of this game, because I think it's just another lesson. And that's I really like that that's the sort of framework in which we talk about these things. You know, with Emery in particular, you know, just about how amazing he is. He's so detail-oriented. He's so... um, He puts so much detail into everything. He spends a lot of time in preparation. He's always thinking as well. You know, there's a tendency for some managers, I think, to just sort of sit down in the dugout and just wait for it to be over. He never does that. You know, against Newcastle, as he says, he, he didn't accept the way that the players just sort of accepted defeat. This way, he was thinking differently. Everyone was, Everyone was trying to get something out of that game, even if it wasn't a result. And that kind of drive to sort of gain the little percentages in terms of how can this dynamic work with Zaniola playing over on the left side? How can Tielemans play here next to Louise in a Premier League game playing like that? I think stuff like that and always thinking about new solutions, new innovations, trialling different things is ultimately why we've got to the point where we've got to already under Emery. And the fact that that's continuing, for me, I see no reason to think why we won't continue improving. So again, that should be a real beacon of positivity for a lot of people and a timely reminder for just how Detail-oriented and brilliant to Naimri is, simply. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Absolutely. And I think without quotes like that coming out, I think we just all kind of sit here and we're all frustrated even more. 
But when you read things like that, you can tell that there's effort going in to change things. I think that for me is probably the biggest difference between so many different managers you could throw out in the past for Villa. Once the game is gone, it's gone. There's really no kind of talking points or I guess really positives to take from it, unless you get that late goal. But even that consolation half the time wouldn't have probably meant much to most fans. But even those slight changes, I mean, you could see it when Zaniolo came on. You could see how he was pressing, how he was showing quality on the ball. He was getting things forward. I, I, I think we all know Duran requires probably a lot more work. I think he's probably going to be more of a success this season in the Conference League, as already proven, of course, um, with some of that competition being a, at a little bit lower standard. I think we're safe to say that because, I mean, some of our opposition probably don't speak English whatsoever, so we should be safe from criticism <laughs> in that regard. But overall, you sit back and you look at this game, of of course, just to break it down very quickly. The first goal, yes, it shouldn't have happened. A well-taken goal from a corner. The cash-on goal, it it, it is what it is. It's one of those things where I felt like the goal was coming anyways, and I think that just really summed up today. And, of course, Salah just always scores. I mean, if there's any positive notion there, most of us probably still have them in our FPL teams. I know I do, so that was the only reason I was... (laughs) Not you? Okay, well, fair enough. But that was the only reason I thought, you know what, if I'm getting anything out of this game, Dom... That's the one thing at least I'm getting is a a few points, but like we were saying, it's the, it's the little things that we don't really notice. And maybe as a fan base, we just kind of jump on the back of that negativity, but to kind of switch focus from a frustration or even looking at Unai Emery in particular, is there one moment or little detail or talking point or anything like that, Dom, that, would be a kind of a takeaway thing for this game for you? Well, and, and positively speaking. Whatever it could be. It could be negative, it could be positive, whatever. That's interesting. I mean, I think there's two that I want to choose from, to be honest. Um, it's Diaby uh, for me in terms of like, he continues to impress me. Even when he doesn't look like he's in the game, he's able to get back into it in a flash. He's got so much quality in terms of it's not just, you know, people think, oh, he's really fast. He's good at dribbling, obviously. But his decision making as well and his, his ability to pass, he looks for the shot and the pass, he, you know, his technique as well and his ability to make runs off the ball to help the team. He's just unbelievable. What, I mean, not even just how good of a player he is as well, but how good of a find he was. This was before Monchi as well. It's worth pointing that out. How good of a find he was by, you know, the recruitment structure um, and how perfect of a fit he is for that role. It's phenomenal. So Diaby for me. Uh, the main one. And then the second one, you know, I wanted to pick up on what you said about Duran needing a lot of work. Definitely, you know. Um, he's not, he's by no means the finished article, but I think he's so much better than last season. I think it's already yeah. showing. And I think he's definitely ready to be a number two striker. And he, I genuinely think now the time is going to come this season where he's ready to start Premier League games. Um, the reason that I say that, I know, I think I've got maybe got a little bit carried away against Tavernian at home, which I went to, but I think I don't, I don't want to be that guy that says when you, I think some fans will understand what I mean here. And I don't go to games very often, um, unfortunately. But when you go to games, you do sometimes notice things that you don't always notice because the camera's not panning around. You're just watching the game with your own eyes. And what I was really impressed by with Duran against Hibbs, and even when he came on today, was his movement off the ball, the way he would peel off the centre halves, the physicality that he has, the speed that he has, his ability to carry the ball and hold it up. Obviously, those rash shots weren't his best moments you might say but the way in which he was able to get the ball and actually do things with it 
is something that Watkins wasn't able to really get into the game. I'm not saying that that means that Duran played better than Watkins by any stretch. But what I'm saying is with Duran, you can already see signs that there's a top striker in there for me with the movement, with the goal scoring that he's clearly showing now that when he gets chances, he will put them away. So I'm really enthused by Duran. I think Selling Archer, obviously, he's got his first goal already. There's worry that is Duran ready to step up. But I think he's improving all the time. He's stepping up all the time. And that's really encouraging for me. That's only going to not only push Ollie Watkins, but give us a potential striker gem for the future. Now that, you know, with each passing week, the the idea that Duran can really come good for Villa is in, increasing with possibility. And that's something that I'm only growing more excited by. Yeah, I think that's the thing too. Like, I, I mean, I saw yesterday on social media when I was briefly on there, um, of course, Archer scores, and then people make that kind of comparison. Oh, is is he better than Duran? What what have we done? Blah blah yeah. blah blah blah. Like, let's be honest, we have the buyback clause. If he scores 15, 20 goals, he's coming back. Mm-hmm. Whether that means parties. exactly, and whether that means he comes back and we just sell him on for fifty, and then people get even more annoyed or something like that. I I don't know with him. I mean, with both players, I think there's a lot of growth. I think that Duran probably needs to grow more in a few more aspects than Archer does, but Archer probably needs to grow in a few aspects that Duran already has. Duran has that physicality, and I don't want to say Archer doesn't have that, like, never say die attitude, but Duran just goes for everything. Like, it's just like a a chicken with his head cut off running around with determination to get whatever. And I mean that in the nicest way possible. There's no criticism around that. I like his drive and his hunger to get the ball, to run onto every loose ball and all that kind of stuff. I think... Duran at this point in time is probably of more of what Unai Emery is looking for as someone coming off the bench that, of course, like we said, he needs more work, but in the press and stuff like that, I think he offers more where, like I've said, I think Archer still needs to maybe learn a little bit more of that, mm-hmm. whether that comes at Sheffield United or, or whatever, we'll have to wait and see. But in regards to kind of a, a point of view or something I could really take away from this game, I think the one thing I found very interesting this game, this time around at Anfield versus last time, I felt like last time he really kept uh, Alexander-Arnold under lock. Everything kind of went yeah. through him, and we were able to nullify that very, very well with the high press on him, almost double man coveraging him at times as well. This time, we just kind of let him do whatever he wanted, and I think that was the biggest like kind of letdown today, really, in particular, because that's where most of the action from their kind of point of view came from. I think that's maybe, I don't want to say it's too much nativity, but it's a little bit foolish to kind of nullify that game plan. Maybe it wasn't the game plan and someone didn't stick to their assignment. Who knows? We'll we'll never really know that. But that would probably be the one because how that then led to, and I don't want to go into it too much, but how it exposed Todd Torres so many times. I don't know how he woke up today, but he was in a dangerous mood because some of the balls he was playing, the way he was running forward with no one around him to pass to and losing it. I mean, just going from Trent playing those dangerous balls and exposing the physicality or lack of physicality that really Torres at this point in time can't really cope with. Do you think that was something that was kind of, I don't want to say it could have been easily changed, but maybe should have been, considered more so heading into this game because I mean we saw it against Newcastle lesser against I mean I guess I guess we saw it against Burnley when he basically got turned off of nothing but considering he's probably struggled in different moments throughout every game do you think that's one thing that maybe should have been protected a little bit more I think it's a difficult thing to protect I mean we talk about Trent here as well 
I think Trent was definitely notified a lot better in the other game, but I also think Trent played a lot better this game. I think his positioning was much more free. Yeah. Um, he didn't just invert into midfield and stay there and allow someone to come and press him. Um, I also think he moved way more centrally and also wider as well into traditional fullback roles. And the way that Villas play so narrowly, it's sort of impossible to just follow him around the pitch 1v1. Um, I do think that we lacked a bit of intensity. And I think players like Jacob Ramsey and Emma Buendir and Alex Moreno have that intensity. Um, so in games like that, we're missing those kinds of players. In terms of Pau Torres, um, he's a high-risk, high-reward kind of player, isn't he? In terms of the distribution, the ball for Duran and the Hibs goal in particular was fantastic. Um, he's already, you know, made a couple of moves himself. And, you know, there are goals that centre-back set up where they, they play it forward and someone's a second ball, but there are goals that centre-back set up where they're playing through. And Pau does that latter, that latter one, and we've not seen that before. So... You know, on the on the in contrast to that, you do have physically he's not the strongest, he's not the quickest, he can get turned as we saw for Burnley, and when he does play that high risk high reward, there are moments where it goes wrong, like with the corner that Lisa Sobersly's goal. So again, with Unai Emery, um, it's reminiscent for me of the debates that we had last season during you know I remember after we lost forty to Leicester at home, we need to stop this playing out from the back. You know, we're not going to cheer it. We're going to boo it. You know, this is ridiculous at the Villa Park crowd. That is That debate isn't happening now because we adapted to it. And I do think that this is slightly different because we're talking about a player's sort of individual strengths and weaknesses. But if there's one manager who I think can sort of learn to build a team that will play around those strengths and weaknesses and, you know, maximise the strengths and minimise the weaknesses where possible, it's Unai Emery, who's worked with him before as well. And we were linked with Pau Torres when he first, when he first arrived at Emery. So... I think he's someone that he's always wanted and he's someone that he wants to be a a big part of this Villa team. So, again, if there's one man who I trust to build a system that will get the best out of power and protect him the best, it's Emery. There are going to be moments, there are going to be games like today where maybe that doesn't happen. But overall, I I think, again, it's reminiscent of those Leicester playing out from the back debates and look where where we are now. So I, I don't think it's anything to gain too much of a tizzy over for fans. Yeah, I don't think so either. We'll bring up one more thing and then we'll, uh, before we kind of wrap up here in a few minutes, but I, I saw this on social media a lot as well, and I'd be interested to get your thoughts on it, Dom. Leadership, of course, Mings is out injured, Diego Carlos comes off, and I, I think we just kind of assume he has some leadership qualities because he's a brick shit house. let's be honest. Um, <laughs> you still have McGinn on the pitch, Martinez is on the on the pitch as well, so there's still some leadership there, but do you think we're lacking that a bit? I, I know it's easy and kind of a cop-out way to say we don't have Ming, so there's no real leadership, but do you still think there's evidence in times in the game where we're kind of lacking that? I mean, we've seen it so many times in the past where Villa are chasing games and it is what it is. Every team does that, but do you think we're almost missing that one player right now where he can just kind of tell everyone let's simmer things down, let's slow down or maybe to convince people to actually do that because it's one thing for someone on that team to step up and say that, but for everyone to actually believe in that and physically do that is another thing, isn't it? It is. Um, What I would say is I think it's quite difficult for us to define these kinds of things. Like how, how is a fan watching from home? Do we know who the leaders are in the dressing room? Exactly. How can we say that? How can we say that? From what I've seen, I've actually seen a lot of Pau Torres mastering the back line, a lot of him communicating with people, a lot more from Ezri Concer as well this season. Emi Martinez is a massive leader. I've seen Douglas Dewey's dictate and play. Yuri Tielemans, when he came on, instantly ran onto the pitch. He just went like this. Um, 
I'm motioning downwards everyone to calm down. <laughs> so we have experience in the dressing room. We have people, and ultimately this fans is only so much we can know. So I think it's unwise to speculate. I think it's obvious that this team misses Mings, though, obviously. But even still, I think there are there are signs that we still have leadership. I, I think that it's very easy as a fan to pin our mistakes on a lack of leadership, which I think is something that is so difficult to define. And as a manager, how do you solve that? Do you just go and look in the transfer market for like English players aged over 30, you're playing in the top level and go, well, he's a leader, yeah. he's going to make us play better. <laughs> I don't think that's how it works in football. Um, then again, Man United just signed Johnny Evans. You never know, well, do you? That's who I was just about to reference, to be honest. I said we should just sign Johnny Evans then with some people's comments <laughs> because that's the only thing that would have made sense. Um, of course, Casper Schmeichel is a, a free agent now, so some people on deadline oh, God, day yeah. during our spaces thought, well, there's our next backup. I don't know how they correlate it's that. Not, it's not a draft, is it? It's not FIFA. We don't have to just sign everyone for the sake of it, do we? Yeah, <laughs> I, I think that's the thing that we've kind of become a little privileged to. Villa are signing some real quality and we don't know how to cope with it mentally because we went through some absolute, I mean, I'll just say it, crap <laughs> for the last yeah. decade or so. So we almost don't know what to do with it. We feel a little bit uncomfortable because of that. That's how I feel, at least. But no, it, it's it's hard to determine, in my mind, what a leader is. There's so many different kinds of mm-hmm. leaders. It could be uh, the person putting in a hard shift, not saying anything, leading by example. It could be the vocal person, which would have been Ming's. It's we We can't really lead into that too much and i don't really know why so many people go on to that i'm not having a go at anyone in particular but i feel like it's just a really easy kind of like lazy cop out i think it's it's exemplified in a number of games over the last few seasons of course and it's evident but this season the way things are going the way that the injury list is piling up and hopefully starting to revert after the break with Moreno and uh, Ramsey coming back, knock on wood, and no one gets injured during the break. I think that's the most important thing. I, I don't really buy into it too much. Maybe you could say there's a little bit of accountability questions at times, maybe people not sticking to their to their roles and to what they should be assigned, their assignments per se. Maybe that's more of a discussion. Um, but all in all, I think we're heading in the right direction. That's the most, most important thing. And at the end of the day, we're mid-table right now. And I said at the very start of the season, if, if we finish 10th or 11th and we won a cup, I'm happy. Like, how do you feel about that? I don't know about 10th or 11th, but to a, le- to a lesser extent, I, I would be happy finishing outside of the European places. I think the number one thing we have to do is qualify for Europe next year. We, yeah. Once we're in Europe, we need to stay there. Otherwise, players might look to leave. Players are less likely to want to stay. They might see last season as a miracle. And... If we can stay in Europe, whether that's by finishing in the top six or whether that's by winning a cup and qualifying for Europe that way, that's fine by me. But I I definitely think, as you say, there is a lot of Villa fans out there that just want to see them lift a trophy because it's been far too long. And I'd be lying if I said there is nothing I'd want more than Villa to win a trophy. Um, That would just be, yeah, yeah, different level, wouldn't it? Yeah, I, I think that's the thing. Like, of course, I want Villa to finish. I want them to win the league every season. It's not going to happen, of course. I, I think it's just that desperation that's on everyone's minds. They would take maybe a few positions down to win something. I mean, I still think we're going to win the conference league and I'll say that arrogantly, but mm-hmm. I mean, we have the perfect manager for it. That's a, a discussion for a different day, but all in all, really what I'm saying here is we're, we're heading in the right direction. I think two wins and, and two losses considering the opponents is pretty good. Um, even if we would have beaten Liverpool today, and I don't know, say we lost to Everton, 
I think th- I think we'd all still kind of feel the same because we would have lost Everton, someone who probably deserves to almost be relegated at this point, let's be honest. So no one's going to always be happy about how this goes. And I think, you know what, a minus one goal difference, we're sitting around mid-table, there's a lot to build on, there'll be healthy bodies coming back, hopefully more than we have now. I think that's a good way to put it. But anyways, Dom, we've already kind of mentioned uh, who we thought were our most impressive players, man, the matches slash match balls, whatever you want to um, call it these days. But if I could put you under the hot seat and get a, a three-word review from you on what you thought represented this game best, what would you go with? Wow, okay. Um, <laughs> that is a tough one. I would say testing. I would say scrappy. And I would say passive. To That's describe it. the game and the performance. I don't know about Scrappy, but I'm happy with the other two. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I think it's a good way to summarize it. I mean, if I was going to pick individual words, I'll, I'll give you two here. The first one I would say would be no more injuries. Like, just let's let's stop yeah. that trend because it's starting to get massively worrying. Like, if anything happens to Konza, I'm probably going to actually have a panic attack at, yeah, at this point. Why, why have you put that into the universe, Cole? <laughs> oh, please, trust me, no. I didn't. Social media did already, so don't blame me. Um, oh, God. It, it's all good for me blame somebody else but if i was going to summarize in three individual words i would say composure i guess i would throw accountability in there because i think at times that's still yeah still a question and i would say progress and the reason i say that is because Mm, i like that there's there's still a lot to be worked on but we're better than we were a few seasons ago and i think we all need to be thankful and as emery says there's progress in the newcastle game in terms of how we ended the game and stuff like that so I, I, definitely, I definitely think there's progress to be made there as well. Absolutely. Well, anyways, guys, I think we'll leave it there. I don't know how long this recording is because I can't see the counter because it just disappears on me half the time, but I'm going to say it's easily over half an hour. So we'll end things there. Thank you very much for everyone for listening. But Dom, so people can find you and the uh, new project you and Liam are working on. Uh, where can they find you? Plug yourself. Go crazy. Thank you. Uh, so if you want to follow me on Twitter, it's DomPhillips02. Um, Liam, as Cole references there, Liam Bryan is another Villa content creator and we've just started a podcast called Not Another Villa Podcast. Just trying to do something a little bit different, try and find, just explore things, you know, we've not got loads of episodes up but we're just sort of feeling things out at the moment so that's Not Another Villa Podcast on Twitter and obviously Liam, Liam Bryan O2 is brilliant as well for your Villa stuff so give him a follow but yeah, I mean, in terms of podcasts make sure you keep watching this one as well. Uh, Top work as always, Cole, thanks mate, really appreciate having me on. No problem. I've already listened to uh, the first episode you guys put it. I'll have to get uh, caught up on the rest. But I, I do love the name. I do have to say that because there are you like so it. many. Yes, I, I do. Because it's there's a, little, a, a million content creators out there right now. Not to say it's, it's negative. Yeah, it's a difficult one because we when we came when I came up with the name sort of thing, it was sort of like, well, there are a lot of other Villa podcasts, but we sort of wanted to make the play on that of being not another Villa podcast. Oh my God, the Sony Villa podcast. But then also we're not another Villa podcast because we're a bit different. That was sort of the thought behind it. It was definitely not a, yeah, I hope that, I hope that no one saw that and gone, oh, you know, there's too many Villa podcasts. The more the merrier for me. You know, we want we want fan media and that's that's why we've created one. If, if, I, if we thought there were too many Villa podcasts, we wouldn't have created one. So yeah, Absolutely. Um, just, just poking a little bit of fun. But yeah, we're, it's good that it's good that fan media um, is able to enjoy some ups because the rise of Villa fan media came during some very low times. So I think as fans who want to cover the club in different ways of content, we've earned this. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, the, the main media 
are starting to give a little bit more coverage, but nearly not enough. So, I mean, us fans really no. have to to put in the shift to make it somewhat equal, even though it's still not even close. But regardless of that, of course, if you want to tweet the team, it's at 7500 Holt. You can find me on Twitter at Talk Aston Villa. Of course, if you have anything you want read out on the podcast, get your thoughts on here. It's Holtcast at gmail.com. If you have any articles or anything you want to share on the website, of course, you can email them in to 7500 to Holt Main at gmail.com and of course check out the website www.7500holtz.espionation.com a lot of plugs here but nonetheless I'm, I'm starting to remember them all in order so I'll take that as a done. little success uh, sometimes it's very brutal and I have to do this three times so I'm taking this on the <laughs> first one Dom but regardless of that we should be back hopefully we hope to have something out um during the international break. I don't know if that's going to happen. If not, there should be a few things on the website to read. So go check that out. But anyways, we'll leave it there. And don't forget, up the villa. Up the villa.